Once there was a poor Chinese farmer who worked his small farm with his only son and their only horse. One day the gate was left open and the horse ran away. That evening all the neighbors of the farmer gathered in his home to commiserate with him. We are so sorry. How unfortunate for you. The farmer simply replied, maybe. The next day the horse returned and the horse had with him seven other horses. And so the neighbors gathered once again in the evening in the home of the farmer. And they exclaimed, now you have eight horses. What good luck for you. And the farmer replied, maybe. The next day, the farmer's son was attempting to tame one of the wild horses. The horse threw him and he broke his leg so badly that he had to remain in bed and was unable to help his father on the work of the farm. Once again, the neighbors gathered and said, how sad for you. The farmer simply replied, maybe. The next day, conscription officers sent by the emperor went throughout the village, taking every able-bodied young man to fight in a war. Because the son's leg was broken so badly, he was not taken. And so the neighbors of the farmer gathered once again in his home that evening and said, Isn't this great? And all the farmer said was, Maybe. It'll always be a maybe world for us because you and I cannot see the future today's events might be for us tomorrow's maybe maybe good maybe bad we cannot know the tomorrow consequences of today's events of today's decisions we are blind to them and so how then do you and I live in this world how do we keep moving how do we keep going Forward. Well, we remember this, that God is light, and God always shines into tomorrow's darkness. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path to guide us so that we can walk with confidence in the midst of all the maybes. And we remember the words of Joseph, whose brothers threw him in a pit and left him for dead. And then changed their minds and sold him into slavery. Joseph said to these brothers, You intended it for evil, but God. But God intended it for good. It is a maybe world for us, but God. We cannot always see God's good ahead of time, but we know this, that God is good, and so we can pray Your will be done. That's what we must do in our lives. To know the will of God and to do the will of God. I ask you now to take your Bibles if you have them with you. If not, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And if you will turn once again to the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. And when you found your place, let's stand together so that we might hear read the word of the living God. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, Jesus is speaking. Pray then like this. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Lord, once again, it's with joy and great anticipation that we come again to your word. Particularly, Lord, this prayer that you have taught us to pray. And so as always, Lord, we just want to submit ourselves and our lives to the authority of your word. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes to your truth. And Lord, having seen you and having seen your truth, I pray that you would give us confidence and boldness to be the people you have called us to be and to do the things you've called us to do. Not for our glory, Lord, but for yours alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We have been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount since May. Can you believe it? Last May, we began in Matthew chapter 5. For many weeks now, we have been talking about prayer. And we have discovered that Jesus' teaching on prayer in general, and the Lord's Prayer in particular, are located on purpose by Jesus in the center of the center of the center of this, his most famous teaching. And so therefore, we have concluded that Jesus believes that prayer is vital to all those who follow him. And so therefore, prayer must take a central place in all of our lives. And so here's my hope that over the course of these weeks, the Spirit of God has done such a work in each of us that no matter where we might have located ourselves on the prayer spectrum, from not praying very much over here to praying a lot. doesn't matter where we were. What matters is where we are. And I pray that because we've been hearing the teaching of Jesus, we have become better prayers, that we have prayed more and that we are praying more and more in accord with what Jesus teaches us. The last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Lord's prayer. And we've seen that it is his model prayer. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples to pray these exact words. Instead, Jesus says, pray like this. In other words, this prayer is like a skeleton for prayer. And you and I, in our prayers, get to put the flesh on it. And the benefit of that is that we can pray our Father who art in heaven, and we can stop there. And we can linger there for a moment. And in prayer, we can let the reality of that truth wash over us. In prayer, we can be overwhelmed that God is our Father. And so we add to the skeleton that Jesus puts before us our own prayers of praise and thanks for having a Father such as we have. A God who has identified Himself to us in His Word. Then... We can move on and pray, thy kingdom come, and we can stop there. And we can linger. And we can think about the kingdom of God. 
and the awe-inspiring place it is and the place of joy and glory that it is and how it satisfies the deepest longings of every person who has ever lived and how it's a place of immeasurable, infinite riches of God's grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like this morning. Jesus teaches us to continue in prayer with this third request, your, king, uh, your will be done. And so we know by now that we need to, to stop and linger and ponder what is the will of God. What does Jesus mean when he teaches us to pray for God's will? Just as God has identified himself As Father in His Word, He's told us what it means. Just as God has identified what His kingdom is like in His Word, so He identifies for us in His Word what His will is. God does not leave it to you and to me to identify His will as we choose. Now listen, that runs counter to our culture. Ours is an age of self-identification. And it's really the last frontier to be conquered, isn't it? In the human quest for complete and unchallenged rule over our lives, for our wills to be done, we will identify ourselves as we choose. That's the day we live in. People are allowed to self-identify, and however they identify, that is how we must know them. But to tell you the truth... I'm having trouble getting the government to be completely consistent in this. Because as I've said to you before, I identify as a retired person. But the government has not sent me one social security check yet. Because my birth certificate lists the year of birth is 1979. Okay, 1969. Okay, 1963. The point is, we have to let the Word of God identify what the will of God is. And so we're going to consider two meanings of the will of God this morning. That's what is before us. Two meanings of the will of God. And the first meaning of the will of God as it appears to us in Scripture is the sovereign will of God, or what theologians refer to as the will of decree. The will of God's decree. And by the decrees of God, we refer to what the sovereign God has determined absolutely will come to pass. And He made that determination before the world was formed. This is the will of God that cannot be thwarted. It will come to pass. It is fixed. It is immutable. It cannot be changed. The Westminster Confession of Faith, the longer catechism, says this, God's decrees are the wise, free, and holy acts of the counsel of His will, whereby from all eternity He hath for His own glory unchangeably foreordained whatever comes to pass in time. Chapter 5 of the Confession says this, God, the great creator of all things, 
doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things, from the greatest even to the least, by His most wise and holy providence, according to His infallible knowledge, and the free and immutable counsel of His own will, to the praise of the glory of His wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. God defines His decrees in this way. Isaiah chapter 46. God is speaking. (laughs) So listen. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand And I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed. And I will do it. That's the decree of God. Jesus defines it this way. Matthew chapter 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Spirit of God inspires the Apostle Paul to write of the will of God in Ephesians 1.11 as the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. And then, of course, there's one of our favorite verses in all of Scripture. It's our comfort verse, our go-to verse in our lives, particularly when things are difficult. Romans 8.28, you know that, right? And we know that for those who love God, how many things? All things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. It may feel like maybe to us, but to God, it's good. Whatever it is, because it accomplishes His purpose, which is good and acceptable and perfect. I could go on. And on. There are plenty more scriptures at which we could look that describe the decrees of God, but but that's enough. So as Jesus teaches us to pray here, your will be done. I don't think that Jesus is telling us to pray for the sovereign will of God to come to pass. Because guess what? It's going to come to pass, whether you and I pray for it or not. But meditating. On the decrees of God, it helps us, helps you and me when it's time for us to pray. The decrees of God get us in the proper posture for prayer. The decrees of God, meditating on them, calls us to pray with great humility. The decrees of God cause us to recognize our place in the vastness of the will of God. They cause us to come to God, not demanding, not requiring, but submitting. When we understand the decrees of God, then the the prayer that Mary prayed becomes our prayer. You remember her story. The angel Gabriel came to her. Mary, you're going to have a baby. 
And this baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit of God and will be the Son of God. Now, was that bad news or good news for Mary? Well, good news certainly in that she had been chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. But perhaps bad news as well. After all, who would believe her story? A story of something that had never happened before in all of human history and would never happen again. Who would believe it? Who would not roll their eyes and say, yeah, Mary, right. But in some way, Mary understood the decrees of God, what he had determined before the foundation of the world. Somehow she sensed that she had a part to play in God's will. And so Mary's response to the angel Gabriel was this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. See, in prayer then, you and I understand God's will of decree. And we realize that God is not our servant. We are the servants of the Lord. We serve His purpose. We serve His will and not our own. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. (laughs) And a shudder went through the crowd. Who misses Deuteronomy? Our four and a half years there. Deuteronomy 29, 29, this will be familiar to you. The secret things, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. You see, there are things we don't know. There are things we can't know. There are things that are none of our business to know. But our joy and our hope in prayer is that God, our Father, is good. And our hope is in prayer is that God is infinite, that He is immutable and immense and eternal and incomprehensible and almighty and most wise and most holy and most free and most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of His own immutable and most righteous will. Our hope is that God is most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Is that your hope? We can trust a God like that, can't we? And so I call on us this morning to be humble people and not to think of ourselves as more highly than we ought. Not to be arrogant, Not to be, I know what is best for my own life, people. Because guess what? You don't know what's best for your own life. I don't either. But it should be our joy and the comfort of our hearts when we're in the midst of prayer that God does know. And that we have a God like our God is who has a plan and is in control. Ours is a maybe world. And so we pray, Lord, maybe your secret will will feel good to me. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll seem meaningless. Maybe I'll ask, why me, Lord? Maybe it will be painful. 
Maybe I will not in any way be able to imagine how any good could possibly come from this. But the God who has designed the big picture can. There is not one thing in your life. There's not one thing in my life that God is not working together for good because in the end of the day, every purpose of God is good. So pray humbly. Pray acknowledging the goodness of God. Pray acknowledging the vastness of God whose ways are higher than our ways and whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Pray without fear. Pray without fear. Let it be, Lord, according to your will. That's a bold prayer. Let's pray it. So that's the will of decree. Let's move on now to the second way that God's will is described in Scripture. Theologians often call it the preceptive will of God. Y'all can talk about that at the water cooler tomorrow. (laughs) The preceptive will of God. Preceptive will is the precepts, the commands, the statutes that God has very clearly given to us in His Word. Now let's go back again to Deuteronomy 29, 29. And and I'll read the entirety of of the verse because in this verse are side by side the decrees of God and the preceptive will of God. The verse reads... Like this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, that's the will of decree, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. The decree of God, secret, the perceptive will, it's what God has revealed to us. It's what God has told us about how we should live our lives before him. Those are the things that belong to us. Those are the things like the Ten Commandments. These are ten precepts by which you and I should live our lives. We're right in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. Think of that. The Beatitudes. Jesus teaching on on fear and anger and forgiveness. Jesus teaching on loving our enemies. Those are precepts by which you and I are to live our lives. Jesus says the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a precept by which you and I should live our lives. The second commandment is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a precept by which you and I should live our lives. So you can think of it this way. God's will of decree is what will happen. But God's will of precept is what ought to happen but might not. See, God wills that you and I should have no other gods before Him. So we ought not to have other gods before Him, but often we do, don't we? There are other people. There are other things that take precedence in our life. They take preeminence in our life over God. God wills that thou shalt not lie. So we ought not lie, but guess what? We often lie. God has willed that thou shalt not steal. So we ought not to steal. But guess what? We often steal in our lives. God has willed thou shalt not covet. So we ought not covet. But guess what? We often covet what our neighbor has. And so this is where we find meaning in Jesus' teaching here in the Lord's Prayer. 
your will be done. As we've noted in earlier weeks, it's a request. And we request something, we are asking, we are praying for change, that things would become different. And so we pray this, we recognize that God's will is not done on earth. Not as it's done in heaven where it's done perfectly. And we want to see that change. So just as we saw last week, this prayer actually becomes a prayer for us. It's a prayer that you and I would know the preceptive will of God. Do you know it? Do you know the will of God? Be careful when you pray this prayer. Because this prayer, your, your will be done, when we pray it authentically, when we truly want God to answer it, that will in that moment turn you, it must turn you into a student of the Word of God. And so what is your commitment right now to the Word of God? To really knowing what it is, not thinking you know what it is, Well, somebody once told me that this was in the Bible. No, no. Really knowing the Word of God. Knowing it thoroughly. So that every decision you make in life is made in accordance with the will of God. God's will. God's will is the one that must be obeyed here on earth as it is in heaven. Would you take your Bibles again and turn to Psalm 119? Don't know where it is, just open your Bible and it'll open to the middle. And there you're going to find the Psalms. Turn to Psalm 119. It's page 512 in the Pew Bible. Psalm 119. Can everybody see Psalm 119 either in your lap or a neighbor's? Now now flip through that song. Psalm. Look how long it is. It is the longest psalm in all of scripture flip through it 176 verses and in every single one of those 176 verses the word of God is mentioned it's either called word or command or precept or statute and over and over and over, these verses talking about, talk about knowing the Word of God, hiding the Word of God in our hearts, obeying the Word, keeping the Word, not straying from the Word of God. Now, why would God inspire that? Because that's how important it is that His will be revealed to us in His Word. And that's how important it is, 176 times important That God's people live according to His Word. Now listen to this. It is no accident that God places such emphasis on His Word in Psalm 119. And then John, the Apostle John, in his Gospel, writes in chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. There are the decrees of God, right? The Word of God, in the beginning, before the earth was formed, all eternity passed. And then John writes this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. 
We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here is the revealed will of God, the revealed Word of God, revealed in Christ. John says, we have seen Him with our eyes. So praying, this prayer as Jesus teaches us to do, is it's asking to know more and more the person of Jesus. He's the living Word of God, the will of God, the determination of God. Not that he might save, but that God would absolutely save all those who place their faith in Christ for salvation. That's good news, right? Is it? It's not a maybe. Salvation in Christ through faith alone, by grace alone, that's God's good will toward us in Jesus Christ. And so are you studying? Jesus in the pages of Scripture, getting to know Him more and more, learning more and more about who He is. Are you studying more and more the written Word of the Lord? How is the Word of God changing you? Because listen, if you and I are not becoming different people, through studying the revealed Word of God, both written and the living Word that is Christ, then we're not studying rightly. Because the Word that God has revealed to us, when it is joined with the Spirit of God, it will bring change. You and I will be transformed. That's the way God works it. His Word joined with the Spirit. And part of knowing the Word of God is, is doing the Word of God. Right? Anybody who knows the Word of God knows that that's true. Because Scripture calls us not just to be hearers of the Word, but also doers of the Word. It means in addition to coming to the Word for knowledge, we come to the Word of God to do what it says. And so listen, we cannot put this off. On others. We cannot look around the world and see the mess it's in and blame it on everybody else. Well, the world is such a mess because of what other people have done. No, not until we first say that we are students of the Word, knowing the Word and doing the Word. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. Again, I love Deuteronomy. Just one little section of it. We studied that book for so long and just consider the social structures that we saw to be true as God had ordered it in His Word. Now listen, if God's people, God's people, God's people, nobody else, if God's people had followed God's prescriptive will, there would have been zero poverty among them. Everyone would have been cared for especially the disenfranchised, the widows, the orphans, even those from outside the community of Israel, ethnically different, racially different, yet they were, by the design of God, to be cared for as well. Think about our own country. Think about our own city and consider how much of the inequity that we see comes because of these differences, ethnic differences, racial differences. 
think about the changes that we can make here in Charleston if we would be people who would do the prescriptive will of God just because it's good and just because it's obedience and just because it's the answer to the prayer, your will be done, Lord, because we're willing to do it. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, revealed will of God. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I wish I had time to keep opening up this idea of living in obedience to the will of God. But I don't. So I'm just going to finish by reminding us once again that we often cannot see the end of our obedience. So it still is a maybe world for us. We don't know ahead of time what will happen to our relationships with other people when we obey God. Will those relationships be okay? Maybe. It's possible people will ridicule us or reject us for living a life of obedience before the Lord. We can't imagine what might happen to our safety when we obey the will of God. Will we be safe? Maybe. The apostles Peter and John were arrested for doing God's will, for healing the sick. That's a good thing. For preaching the gospel, that's an even better thing. And they were arrested. And the next day before they were released, they were commanded, do not speak or teach in the name of Jesus at all. And their response was this. Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to Him? As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's the attitude I want to have. That I want us to have that kind of boldness to obey God rather than people. Do you? We may not always seem well. The consequences of our obedience might not always feel good, but here's what I know. We will be at peace. And our souls can be still in this maybe world because we have a God who is sovereign over all things. Because we have a God whose decrees are good. Because we have committed ourselves to knowing the will of God, which is very good, in submitting ourselves to it, and seeking by the grace of God and the power of His Spirit that we will obey it. Your will be done. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer. That Your will would be done. And Lord, because you are so other than we are, as we have seen over and over this morning, because your kingdom is so other than the kingdom of this world, we see immediately before us the conflict in our lives of obeying you rather than the world. And so, Lord, this prayer is a dangerous prayer. It takes great faith for us to be able to do it. Our culture is strong. The voices that speak to us everywhere we turn television, social media, Lord, so much that we see and hear is absolutely 
against your will. Not what we guess that it will be, but the will that you have so clearly revealed to us in your word. So Lord, in this day and in the days ahead, we, your people, will need your power to embolden us to be people who live out your will. And so we pray now, Lord, for your your courage, your help, the strength of your spirit. Lord, we know that we can make a difference in this place for, for Jesus' sake when we obey your will. Lord, the things that we do that are right and good, those aren't the ideas that come from government. Lord, those are the ideas that come from you. We feed the poor because you say to feed the poor. We clothe the hungry because you say to clothe those who are naked. Lord, we do what we do out of, of obedience to you. Lord, any other motivation will fall short and fail and fizzle out. But Lord, when we are living in obedience to you, we know that you will bring the increase. And so, Lord, help us to be people who do your will and then still our souls, Lord, in the midst of that as we live in this maybe world. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.